Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Uh, Go with me over to the book of Lamentations, chapter 3, is where we'll begin. We want to continue this looking at this subject of God's steadfast love. And, uh, you know, so much, uh, years ago, I don't, I don't remember how many years now, yes, so many, uh, many years ago, a few years ago, uh, when I wrote the book, The Local Church, The Hope of the World, uh, I wrote the book because I truly believe that the local church is the hope of the world. And what the local church has to offer is the answer to what society faces in any area. I've watched it over and over again. I've watched I, numberless people, uh, marriages come to the local church and, and, and get involved in what God was doing and said under the word and God fixed the marriage. Uh, we've lost count of how many people have been healed and delivered and set free and and, and just radically transformed by the power of God. And, uh, you know, it's very easy uh, sometimes to forget what's the core of that. All of those things happen because God loves people. God loves people. God never heals anyone to prove He can. God heals people because He loves them. God doesn't set marriages back right to show how powerful he is. He does it because he loves people. He doesn't even do it to show how good he is. He does it because he loves people. When the enemy came to Jesus in Luke chapter 4 and challenged him and said, prove that you're the son of God by turning these stones into bread, Jesus wouldn't have anything to do with it because God doesn't have anything to prove to anybody. He's God. He doesn't have anything to prove to anybody. He is what he said he is. And, and he's good all the time. Well, the local church is that megaphone, that spiritual loudspeaker that's telling every community where there's a local church, hey, God is good. God loves you. And God wants to change your life. Amen. I may have told you, but the, uh, not some time ago, I woke up in the morning, the Lord was, was speaking to my heart, and he, he asked me, he said, spend the rest of your life telling people how much I love them, how good I am, and how much I'll change their life if they'll give it to me. He asked me, he said, please spend the rest of your life doing that. Amen. And so we want to look at some of this tonight. God's steadfast love. Uh, I want to share something with you that was spoken to us in September, September 5th, 2001 at our faith explosion. And uh, uh, the minister there, Pastor Scott Webb, uh, he was talking about uh, the land that God wanted to give our churches. 
And he made this statement, it's a piece of land that God desires to plant the work on and build it and cause it to multiply. And for it to be a place people can come in and it be, notice these words, a refuge and a house of healing and a house of victory and a house of miracles. For God can have the freedom to do what He's always, always wants to do, and that's be a blessing to people. Yeah, amen. amen? So God is building our churches with mercy so we can be a blessing to our city, our state, our nation, our world. Yes, sir. Amen? amen? God desires to heal people. God desires to uh, produce victory and miracles in their lives. And, and again, not to show how powerful He is, but to be a blessing to people. Amen? God will bless you in spite of you. God will heal you in spite of you. If, if, if you come expecting and you come believing, God will bless you and heal you in spite of you. He'll, he'll turn your life around in spite of you. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm the poster child for that. <laughs> God desires to show mercy to people. And He desires that His people be merciful to each other. Uh, It's not a side issue with God. Mercy is not a side issue with God. Mercy is not just feeling sorry for somebody or letting somebody off the hook. Mercy is best defined as active compassion. It's it's the active love of God reaching out and helping people, touching people, Showing God's mercy and grace to those that don't even deserve it. Amen. Amen. And so, in Lamentations 3, verse 20, Jeremiah the prophet, he says, My soul has them still in remembrance and is humbled in me or bowed in me. This I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. Now, it's not the, the uh, uh, judgment and the things, the afflictions and the misery that he's remembering. He tells us in verse 22 what he brings to mind. It is of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. Because his compassions fail not. Notice, they are new every morning and great is your faithfulness. Woo! So when he ends it and says, great is your faithfulness, he's saying, great is your faithfulness to what I said before about you. That your mercies, it's your mercy that we're not consumed, and your compassions don't fail, and they are new every morning. God's faithful to produce that. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say this out loud. God is faithful to his word. Amen. Notice, his compassions don't fail. Oh, glory. So Jeremiah had almost given up hope. He had got to a place where he was dealing with people who had been disobedient to God and God's plan. They had suffered the judgment of God. But then he said, I remembered something that restored my hope. The mercies of God. The mercies of God. And, and we talked about that word mercies is the Hebrew word has said. And it, it means goodness, kindness, favor, mercy, pity. Amen. Amen. Pastor Michelle talked about favor to, uh, tonight uh, to some extent. 
And very often when we think favor, we just think financial favor or favor in business dealings or favor. It's the favor of God that we have His mercy every day. Amen. 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 And, and, and when God speaks of His love, it can be translated covenant love or steadfast love. Now those words are important because a covenant cannot be broken with God because God initiates the covenant. I can walk away from the covenant promise, but God will never break His covenant. He said in the book of Psalms, I will not break my covenant or alter the thing that's gone out of my mouth. Well, what came out of His mouth through the Holy Spirit, through Jeremiah, was that His mercies are new every morning. Amen. And because of His compassions, we're not consumed. And great is His faithfulness. Amen. People need to know that. Amen. And then it, it's steadfast. Steadfast. Now, I'm going to date myself when I say this, so just bear with me. I remember when if you had a girlfriend, you would go steady. Anybody old enough to remember going steady? Well, you know, if you were going steady, you were an item. Right? In, in other words, nobody else but her. Nobody else but him. Steady. Right? Steadfast. Amen. Well, that's how God is. God, there are no extremes in God. God is not, God is not a mountain peak one day and a valley the next day. He, God doesn't fly into a rage about things and then the next day he's, you know, acts like he, he didn't do it. He's steadfast. He's the same every day. God's always on the same frequency. God, why? Because he said, I'm God and I change not. Titus chapter 1 says, God who cannot change. Right? So if God cannot change, the attributes of God cannot change. His love cannot change. His mercy cannot change. His grace cannot change. His compassions, that's why it says they fail not. Because God doesn't change. Amen. Every time you come to God with His Word, you can expect the same response every time. Why? God doesn't change. And he said, when you put me in remembrance of my word, I will do what my word said. Glory be to God. Amen. Amen. And, and there's some people that preach, that, that teach like God's schizophrenic. You know, that, that sometimes he says yes, and sometimes he says no, and sometimes it's maybe, and then every now and then it's wait a while. That, that's, not, that's not God. He said, all the promises are in him, yes, and in him, Amen. The Bible says that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, we know we have the petitions that we've desired of Him. When you go to God with His Word, the answer is always yes. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, what if God decides you don't need that? Anything in His Word that He promised me, He cannot decide I don't need it. Because it's in the Word. And if it's in the Word, it's honor bound to come to pass. My part is putting faith in what the Word said. Oh, glory to God. Amen. That's my part. And the reason why a lot of people think of God on another level, they think of God as austere. 
They think of God as judgmental. They think of God as mean. They think of God as cruel. Is because they don't know the word about God. And if they knew the word about God, they would see an entirely different picture of God. Amen. Don't ever let anybody, don't let the world tell you how God is. Or tell you how Jesus is. The world will try to tell you how Jesus is. Don't, the world can't tell me how Jesus is. Jesus said the world doesn't know him. And, and Amen. And if you don't know somebody, you can't tell me how they are. Amen. You, if you don't know Bill Hurst, you can't tell me how Bill Hurst is. I know Bill Hurst. And if you come up and tell me something that's contrary to his character, I'll say, you're wrong. That's not how he is. Amen. You, you, you can't just let those things slide. The world we're in today, so many people are blaming God for the nasty, ugly, mean things that are going on. Why doesn't God stop this? Why doesn't God do this? Why doesn't God do the other thing? They are omitting the fact that God said, I don't change. And God is powerless to act on behalf of people that will not believe in Him and will not turn their lives to Him. He said, the moment you turn your life to me, I will hear you, I will answer you, and I will show you great and mighty things, things you never even thought of. Glory to God. Amen. And it starts with His mercy. Amen. Aren't you glad? I say, aren't you glad? I'm so glad he was merciful to me. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I was a number one screw up. Amen. Amen. I was an accident going somewhere to happen. And God's mercy showed up. I mean, if you listen, I'm raised in church. I'm called by God at a young age. But, I mean, preach my first message when I'm 16 years of age. But here's the point. If you would have went down the line and chose who God would have chosen to do what He's asked us to do, it wouldn't have been me. It wouldn't have been her. It would have been somebody else. But because of God's mercy, don't ever count yourself out because God's not counting you out. Don't, don't, don't ever say I can't because God's not saying you can't. God said you can. God said you can. God said you can. And if I can, then I can. I will do everything God's called me to do. And so will you. Tell your neighbor, say, you will do everything God's called you to do. Oh, glory. Amen. Yes, I will. Amen. You're looking at a hungry man. Amen. How, I'm telling you, hungry. You know, not, 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 no, not hungry. Hungry. Hungry man. Amen. There's a difference between hungry and hungry. Amen. See, you got it. That's serious. That's like there's a difference between a whipping and a whooping. Amen. Anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to get over them whoopings. But God speaks of His love in terms of covenant and steadfastness. He's presenting a picture of His love and goodness as two things. Unchanging and never ending. Unchanging and never ending. It never changes and it never ends. That's why when we sing that song, Your goodness is running after me. Oh my Lord. Amen. I just turned into a puddle. 
I just turn into a puddle. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Because we, we start singing that song and it says, I love you, Lord, because your mercies never failed me. Yeah. Amen. Never failed me. Never, never failed never. me. Never. Amen. And then it's running after us because it never changes. He said in Psalm 23, we got to get into some things, but he said in Psalm 23, he said, goodness and mercy. He said, covenant love, steadfast love will follow me. How long? All the days of my life. How many days? All of the days of my life. If you live to be 120, at the end of your 120th year, goodness and mercy are still going to be following you. And that word is run after, pursue, or chase down. It's, it's not just something where they're tagging along. They are running after you. They are chasing you down. They're trying to overtake you. God's goodness and mercy. And somebody's got to tell that side of it. Somebody's got to declare that side of it. Amen. Well, we're going to. We're going to. For the rest of our days, we're going to tell people how good God is. How much God loves them. How much He'll change their life if you'll just turn it over to them. Oh, glory be to God. Isn't that good? This word, this word has said, it may be the most important word in the Old, Old Testament. That describes God's character to us because it speaks of His steadfastness. Amen. Hallelujah. And so in these two verses, we see that God's compassion and faithfulness are tied to this Word. We have a covenant of compassion and faithfulness with Almighty God. A covenant. It cannot be broken. You know, He told uh, the prophet, He said... If you can stop the sun from rising and the moon from setting, you can break my covenant. He said, if you can stop the tide from coming in and going out, then I'll break my covenant. Those are things that are impossible to stop. Amen? Meaning the covenant can't be broken. God cannot lie. He said, once I have sworn something... It will be that way. Right? And so when he said, for instance, in blessing I will bless you, in multiplying I will multiply you, that's covenant language. It can't change. When he said in, in, in Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 14, when he said, if you do what I say and you hearken to the voice of the Lord your God and you do what I ask you to do, I will bless you going in. I will bless you coming out. I'll bless you in your basket, in your storehouse. I'll bless you in the field. I'll bless you in the city. I'll bless you in everything you do. All that your hands touch will be blessed. I will even open the treasure house of heaven and pour out blessings on you. That can't change. That cannot change. Why? Because that's part of God's mercy. So if He said it, it won't change. Glory be to God. Mm. Now this idea of steadfastness is seen in all instances where the love of God's mentioned. Or the mercy of God. Let's go over to Matthew 5. The Lord took me back to some things the other day that I had ministered on some, well, it's been some years ago now, concerning this word mercy. 
Matthew 5 and 7. And uh, this is uh, what's commonly referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus says in Matthew 5, 7, Blessed are the merciful. Now here's why. For they shall obtain mercy. The Woos Bible says spiritually prosperous are those who are merciful because they themselves will be the objects of mercy. They themselves will be the objects of mercy. Now, of course, it's a different word in the Greek because it's a Greek word, but it has the same meaning. Mercy has the same meaning as mercy does in the Old Testament. Same meaning. Well, how can it have the same meaning in Greek and in Hebrew? Because it's coming from the same God. Amen. And so this word mercy, again, it means compassion. It means love. Amen. Steadfastness. But it's best defined as active compassion. Something that God is is doing on an active basis. Why are the spiritually prosperous the objects of mercy? Because they've made others the objects of mercy. I want to be spiritually prosperous. And he said the way I do that is make other people the objects of mercy. With a lot of what's going on in the world can be, can be fixed by this right here. Be merciful and you'll get mercy. Amen. One translation says, how blessed are those who show mercy. Mercy will be shown to them. So Jesus said the blessing of those who show mercy is that mercy will be shown to them. Amen. I've told people over the years, you want mercy. I've talked to people before, and they say, I want justice. No, you want mercy. You don't want justice. You want mercy. Amen. Because justice is getting what you deserve. Mercy is getting what you don't deserve. Amen. So be merciful. Why? Because you're going to need mercy. Listen, ever how much you are determined to, to, to do right, sometime in your life, you're going to need mercy. And he says, be merciful because you're going to need mercy. You're going to need somebody to show you that act of compassion. Amen. If, if no one else, I'm going to need God to show me that act of compassion. Amen. Hallelujah. Remember the story Jesus told and he talked about the, the, the Pharisee that was standing on one hand and the sinner that was standing on the other hand and it says that the Pharisee lifted up his voice and he began to say this, God, I thank you that I'm not like him. I tithe everything. I go to church regularly, right? And he went through all the lists and it says that the man over here would not even lift his face up He just smote his chest and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus said, who went home justified? He said, the one that asked for mercy. Why? Because the other guy thought what he did and his works and his standing and the things that he did is what justified him. Amen. The other one knew I don't deserve anything that God will do to me or for me, so I'm just going to ask for mercy. Amen. 
People say, what do I do when I don't know what to do? Ask for mercy. That's always the way. Am I helping you? Look here at Luke 6. So be merciful because we'll need mercy. Oh, glory. And God wants to show mercy. You know, if we could figure that out, that God does everything in His power to show mercy. I've had people want to get into a discussion with me. Well, I don't understand, you know, how you can uh, say it's the same God in the Old Testament as it is in the New Testament. And in the New Testament, you paint Him as so loving and kind. And yet, in the Old Testament, He was so harsh and judgmental. No, He wasn't. No, He wasn't. That's just proof they don't know the Word. Because if you, God never judged any nation, any people in the Old Testament that He had not dealt with again and again and again and again and again and forgave them 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 until finally there was no option. How many times did He forgive the children of Israel? Countless times. Right? Until finally... They just, they just were not going to do it. Amen. And, and God didn't do anything to them. He just left them to themselves. And they wandered the wilderness till they fell over. Well, that's, that's the same God in the New Testament. Because there's instances in the New Testament where people wouldn't change. And God said, look, just leave them to themselves. Amen. You, 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 you got to understand that. God is always looking for a way to show people He loves them. Yes, yes, yes. And show mercy. Amen. Amen. In Luke 6 and 36, notice it says, Be therefore merciful as your Father also is merciful. Oh my. The Amplified Bible says, So be merciful, sympathetic, tender, responsive, compassionate, even as your Father is all of these. So notice that Scripture says, Be merciful. One translation says, and I tell you this a lot, you got to be careful what uh, version you're reading. Because some of them say translations and they're just paraphrases. They're the author's idea of what it says. One of those paraphrases says, try to show as much compassion as your father. That's not what scripture says. It says, do this. Be merciful like your father in heaven is merciful. Right? Why is that important? We're not just to try to be merciful. We got to be merciful. That's not negotiable. I said that's not negotiable. When, when, you, when you inject that into any situation, it takes race out of the equation. It takes, uh, it takes upbringing out of the equation. It takes all the stuff that people get so riled up about out of the equation because my job is to show mercy to you, black, white, male, female, old, young, educated, uneducated. My job is show mercy. Amen. Are you following me? You can demand justice to the point that you omit mercy. Amen. Are you following me? 
on, on any side, when, when you look at what's going on in our nation, in our cities right now, when you look at it, mercy is what's needed. We need to be merciful looking at some of the people that are protesting and try to understand why they're doing what they're doing. And some of the people protesting maybe need to go back and dial it back and say maybe this isn't exactly what we thought it was. It might have been a horrible accident that somebody needs to pay for but, but we need to dial it back and understand if we want things to change for the better where we're concerned, we better be merciful. Because anything you get from a demand of justice, you've omitted mercy. And you didn't get it through the avenue of love. And what you don't get through the avenue of love has no power in it. Amen. That's not a political commentary. That's the word. Amen. The greatest change that ever occurred in my lifetime that, I can, that, 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 that I've been taught was the civil rights movement with Dr. King. How did Dr. King achieve everything that they achieved? Through nonviolence. Preaching nonviolence. We're going to go in that city and we're going to get what we need, but we're not going to get it through violence. Oh, there was violence from the other people towards them. And it wasn't right, but they stood their ground and they got knocked over with fire hoses. They got dogs sicked on them. Racist police force beat them in the head and they stood their ground in mercy. And what'd they get? Righteousness flowing like a stream and justice running like a river. Because they operate. Now, you don't have to agree with the man's politics. I don't agree with everything that he believed. But it was the single most drastic change this nation had ever seen. I'm not off my point. Jesus said, Amen. That I have to be merciful as my Father is merciful. That's got to be from all sides. There's not a black Bible and a white Bible. There's not a Mexican Bible and a white Bible. Or an Asian Bible and a white Bible. If, if he writes to the white folk and says be merciful, then he told the black folk to be merciful. If he told the black folk to be merciful, he told the Hispanic folk to be merciful. If he told, right? And so on and so forth. Amen. Are you following me? See, and, and, and to just blame everything on a race is not mercy. Mm, I hope I haven't lost you. Amen. Because, because, because you got one side, well, it's, it's white privilege. And then you got the other side, it's, it's well, they, they just, they have an entitlement mindset and they just want, that's not mercy. Neither one of those are mercy. Amen. I don't mind telling you everything I've achieved in my life has come through, number one, the blessings of God, and number two, hard work. Amen. 
And, and I got people sitting in here of, of different races. And you, you didn't get anything because you're entitled to it. You didn't get anything because somebody dropped it in your lap. You got it because you get up early every morning and go to work and get the job done. You bring home the bacon because you went and got it. Mercy. Amen. Be merciful. Do you see this? So Jesus is saying, be all these things because the Father's all of these things. I said, be all of these things because the Father's all of these things. Look at Luke chapter 10. Oh, glory. And we haven't lost our point. That, that, that would save everything. That would change everything. That would end the, that would end the immigration debate. That would, that would end it if people would just be merciful. Just be merciful. Amen. Everybody deserves a chance. Everybody. Amen. Everybody deserves a second chance. And a third chance. And a fourth chance. Why? Because we're merciful. Amen. Are, are, you, are you with me? Luke 10 and 25. Notice this. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, I love what Jesus says. What's written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Well, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, all your mind, your neighbors, yourself. He said, You've answered right. Do that and you'll live. Now notice this. But he... Willing to justify himself, said to Jesus. Now watch, watch how he says this. Who's my neighbor? When you look up that word neighbor, it simply means this. It, it means fellow man, mankind. Sometimes we think neighbor, we think the guy or the, the person that lives right next to us. Well, that's true uh, in that sense. But it simply means mankind. Every person you encounter. So Jesus said that the job was then to love your neighbor, notice this, as yourself. Okay, do you want mercy? Show mercy. Because that's how you love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. I was upset with a person one time, so upset, and, and, and I know I'm a pastor, I'm not supposed to get upset with people, but I was. I mean, I would see this person, just set my teeth on edge, because I knew something they were doing, and, and it, 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 it was something I had dealt with years ago. And one day, I just, oh, and the Lord spoke to me, and he said, yeah, you're getting upset with them for something I had to help you with. Man, that changed my mindset. Amen. I had to start praying for that person, interceding for them. Why? They're my neighbor. Right? Right? But this man said, well, who is my neighbor? 
right? Like, yeah, I understand, but who's my neighbor? <laughs> so he believed he was only supposed to show mercy to those that he thought deserved it. But Jesus goes on, notice verse 30. And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, then when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. There's that word, mercy. And went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an end, took care of him. On the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave to the host, and said, Take care of him, and whatever you spend more, when I come again, I'll repay you. Which now of these three thinks thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Jesus said unto him, Go and do likewise. Now notice something. First of all, this man was attacked by thieves. Mm -hmm. Scripture says he was was attacked by these men. Uh And the situation was no fault of his own. He's just on the road. Mm -hmm. And I've heard people say, Well, you know, he should have known better. Well, but it wasn't his fault. He's, he's going down the road, he's whatever he's doing, going home, going to do some business or whatever. But the point is, he was attacked by these thieves. There are situations that people find themselves in that aren't their fault. Amen. They aren't their fault. Now, sometimes it is. But there's situations that people find themselves that it's not their fault. They didn't do anything to get there. Through somebody else's actions or somebody else's whatever it may have been, they find themselves in that situation. Amen. And notice it says he was half dead. So he was left in a half dead state. A state halfway between life and death. This man's barely alive. Barely breathing. Right? And notice... Verse 31 tells us, And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. I thought it was so interesting that the text suggests that this man, this priest, went out of his way to go to the other side of the road so he didn't have to get involved. Went out of his way To go to the other side. So he sees the situation. And he goes out of his way. To get around it. Amen. And you know I've heard people preach. Well you know it was was because a a priest could not. You know he might have thought he was dead. And he wasn't allowed to touch it. Jesus said it was because he had no compassion for his neighbor. That's the reason Jesus gave. Right? Amen. That, that, that's important. What Jesus said is right. 
And so, amen. In verse 32, it says, And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and noticed this guy, looked on him, and passed by on the other side. So this Levite came and looked around. It, the text suggests he walked up to him. Looked at him and passed on. Right? I mean, the first one was bad enough, but this Levite can see he's breathing. He's, he's, half, alive, he's half dead, but he's half alive. And he still chose to do nothing. Amen. The church has the power to change people's lives if we'll just be merciful. Glory to God. Amen. Because there are people coming to our churches that their number one need is going to be mercy. Because they're going to come having messed everything in their life up. They're going to come having blown it. The problems they're going to come in with are of their own making. There's going to be other people that come in that the problems in their life are because of somebody else. But the answer is still mercy from God's people. Amen. Amen. When I look back, and, 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 and I've been born again a long time. But when I look back on my life and the failures in my life and the mistakes I've made and the mercy that God has shown me, listen, my Lord... I, I can show mercy to anybody up to and including an axe murderer because of how good God's been to me. Amen. Hallelujah. Listen to me. We will say things like this. There's nothing God won't forgive. Jesus said, be merciful like your heavenly Father's merciful. So that means there's nothing we can't forgive. Hallelujah. So... He saw the man in the state he was in and just went on his way. Now, it's interesting then in verse 33, but a certain Samaritan. This is so interesting because remember the setting. Remember who Jesus is talking to. According to Scripture, he is speaking to a lawyer, a Pharisee. A doctor of the law. In, in other words, in our day and age, in our vernacular, he would be a doctor of theology. He would have a PhD. He's talking to a doctor of the law, a Pharisee. And he mentions and uses a Samaritan. Why? Because this is the most extreme difference that you can get between this doctor of the law who said who is my neighbor and this Samaritan remember how the the Bible says in uh, the book of Luke when Jesus or excuse me the book of John when Jesus went to Samaria and sat on the well that the woman was shocked because Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans and especially especially uh, 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 Jews that had any knowledge of the Word of God. Not because the Word of God told them not to have any dealings with them, but because of the way they had put themselves up. And he says, 
it was a certain Samaritan. So we know when he said a certain Samaritan, we know this happened because Jesus used the word certain. In, in Jesus' ministry, whenever he used the word a certain man, a certain woman, a certain thing, it, it was something that people knew. And he said, a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, notice this, he, the Samaritan, this is important, he that needed mercy, had mercy. Isn't that interesting? Because in that day and age, the priest and the Levite didn't need any mercy. They, they were the highest there was. They didn't see the need for mercy. They didn't feel they had anything in their life that was needful of mercy. But now here's a Samaritan who's looked down on, who's a cast outcast to the Jews. He knows what it's like to need mercy every day. And he shows mercy. Had compassion on him. Went to him. So he didn't just stand back and say, Oh my, that's bad. Somebody call 911. He went to him. Is that what it says? Went to him. And, and did what? It says, notice, it bound up his wounds. I don't know what he was carrying. I don't know how he did it. Scripture doesn't tell us. But he did something and bound up the man's wound. And notice, pouring in oil and wine. One translation says soothing oil and disinfecting wine. Amen. set him on his own beast, brought him to an inn and took care of him. He took care of him all that night. Yeah. Amen. I, I remember, and, and I, love, I love Pastor Michelle and I being in church together. But, but I remember when she first got born again, she first got saved, and she'll remember this story. Man, she was facing some challenges, and she's breaking free from that lie. And, and the pressure of the situation is trying to overcome her. And she called my mom, who was her pastor, and just said, what? You said, speak the word to me. And my mother just started rattling off scriptures. I don't know how long she talked to her. I don't even know if she remembers. But it was long enough to get the word in her. And so, I'm so grateful every time I see my wife that she got hooked up with a church that was compassionate and merciful and was willing to do what this man did and stay with them that night. Hallelujah. It doesn't take very long for the mercy of God to begin to have an effect. But notice, he brought him to an end and took care of him. And on the morrow, the next day when he departed, he took out two pence. That's enough for each day. He knows I'm going to be gone two days. And he tells the innkeeper, notice, take care of him and whatever you spend more, when I come again, I'll repay you. Right? So he's not only just fixing the immediate need, 
He's fixing the future. He's fixing the future. So people are going to come to our churches and get the immediate issues they have taken care of, but then they're going to get things fixed for the future. For life. Not just the immediate need. Because people are going to come with whatever. Addictions, financial problems, sin issues, not born again, living lives that aren't pleasing to God. And they'll get an answer in that service and get that thing fixed and taken care of. But then they're going to need those of us that know how to do it to help them live their life. Glory to God. And we're going to do it. Because we are the local church. We're the hope of the world. Amen. Glory. Yes, we are. And he said, so notice, this man didn't just take a look at the scene and move on. He had compassion, mercy on him. Proved his compassion with six acts. First of all, he bound up his wounds. Secondly, he poured in soothing oil and disinfecting wine. So, so people come and there's things they need to have moved out of their life with a dis, spiritual disinfectant and there's things they need to have soothed and, and fixed. Amen. Amen. Then he placed him on his own animal. This, that's so important to me. I, I hope you're seeing that. This, you know, to have an animal in those days was a big thing. Everybody didn't have them. Everybody couldn't afford him. Evidently, this man had some substance. He was able to pay for the care of this man, and he had his own beast. And notice, he picked this bloody, half-dead, dying man up and put him on his own beast. Hallelujah. I, I always, when I read this scripture, I always remember this story. Of course, before uh, we went in, I went into full-time ministry, I worked in uh, the corporate world, Blue Cross and Blue Shield. Uh, in Kansas City, and uh, uh, there was a guy there that worked, his first name was Ken, that worked there with me in the same department. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, he was uh, 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 under my supervision uh, just in another department, and uh, Ken had an issue. He was, he was, uh, he was getting, becoming paralyzed, and, uh, and he, he walked with uh, some crutches, and uh, I'm not trying to be common, but he, but, he, but he had issues with his bowels. And, and there were times he would have uh, accidents. And uh, so I came to work one day, and I got off the elevator. When I came around the corner, uh, I saw uh, him, and he stuck his head out of the men's room. He said, Philip, 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 help me. Can you help me? And I said, uh, yeah, well, you know, what's going on? And he said, I've... I've I've had a horrible accident, and it was a horrible accident. It was, it was, it was nauseating. And uh, uh, he said, can you get me home? He said, I, I can't go in there like this. And he said, I, and, and obviously he can't ride the bus. Pastor Michelle and I had just bought the nicest car we'd ever had. Little, remember that little Ford uh, Mercury uh, Topaz. That's how long ago that was. Had, had a carriage top on it. Y'all remember carriage tops? Had a carriage top on it. Oh, and it had velour seats. Velour. You know, I mean, that's, that's like 
fake velvet. But it, anyway, it was the nicest car we'd ever had. I had, I had drove it to work that day. I never drove to work. I always took the bus. I drove that car to work that day. Oh, man, can you get me home? Amen. I said, Ken, come on. Come on, let's go. I didn't have a towel. I didn't have anything. And I'm thinking two things. Lord, do a miracle, please. And, and secondly, don't let my wife kill me. It's, it's just, right, because that's her car, right? I mean, we had two vehicles at the time, a minivan and the transmission was out of it, and that's what I drove, and this car, we bought it for her. And I rode the bus. Well, I remember getting him on the elevator, getting him downstairs, getting him in the car. And when I sat down in the car, not I had witnessed to Ken on a number of occasions. I'd given him healing uh, uh, literature, uh, Gloria Copeland's book on God wants you well, and all these different things. And I remember when I sat down in that chair, I looked over at this man. And there were just glistening tears in his eyes. And he said, I can't tell you how much this means. And every time I read that, I remember that story. Put him on his own beast. Not worried about what's going to happen. The guy's bleeding. The, the, right? He's, he's bleeding all over. Whatever he's got on that animal, this man's body fluids are getting on it. Amen. Was it worth it to take that man home, Ken, to show him the mercy of God? Yes. It, w- it was worth it. Amen. And, and whatever problem there was, when I got home, I cleaned it up. Amen. And you can see I'm still here so she wasn't too upset. Amen. But, but, but think about that. Then he brought him to an end. He brought him to a place where he could be cared for. This is discipleship. He's bringing him to a place where he can be cared for. Mercy not only helps people where they're at, it makes sure that their future is secure. Then he personally took care of him. Amen. In a local church, The pastor can't take care of everybody. He does the overall feeding. He does the overall caring and the overall uh, overseeing. But the personal one-on-one discipleship happens between you and somebody that you choose to show mercy to. Amen. Amen. Whether it's going out for coffee, going out for something to eat, having them over to your house. Whatever the case may be. And I know in the season that we're in, we, people think, you know, that's almost a foreign concept because we hear, listen, everything's getting back to normal. Everything will be back to the way it was. And no matter what's going on in the world, I'll say it this way. No matter what's facing the world, virus or not, God still expects the church to get people saved. God still expects us to do what we do. We're not allowed to unenlist because there's a challenge going on in the world. 
Amen. Amen. Then notice, he paid the innkeeper to take care of him during his absence. Paid for somebody to be taken care of that he didn't even know. That had never done anything for him. See, that's mercy. That's active compassion. That's hesed. That's steadfast love. Then he said, which of these three do you think was neighbor to him that fell among thieves? He said, he that showed mercy. Jesus said, go and do likewise. So Jesus said it was the man who showed mercy that loved this man as himself. Amen. I've had people over the years. I had, I had a couple one time that came to the church. They came and left seven times. Seven times. And, and, and it was never pretty. It was never pretty. And, and, and this, this woman had a lot of hurts in her life and a lot of, a lot of bad experiences in her life. And her, and her husband had an orphaned heart. And it was It was bad. And man, you would disciple and you would help. I'd have him over to the house to the, to the father's circle meetings that I would have and try to help him. And Pastor Michelle would reach out to her and try to help her. And that, I think they were in every department in the church. And they would get offended by somebody and cause a stink. And well, then they would have to leave. And well, came and left seven times. And I had somebody ask me one time because they called one time. They showed up one Sunday. And I saw them come through the back door. I, amen. Looked like two refugees coming in. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they, they talked to me after service. Said, Pastor, you know, can, can we come back? Yeah. Yeah, come on. And I had somebody ask me, how do you do that? What do you mean? I mean, I, I'm not being sarcastic, and, and the person wasn't asking a bad question. I can understand it. But I'm like, what do you mean? Our job is to give people every opportunity to change. If they don't change, that's on them and between them and God. Our job is to give them every opportunity. Amen? Why? We love them like we love ourselves. So whatever the reason was that the other men did not show him compassion is irrelevant. It's irrelevant. And here's why. There was no reason for them not to show mercy. No reason. I remember when I was in, I was in the Philippines a number of years ago, and uh, it's okay if I tell you another story? And uh, I saw this, this came up so big in me, because... Uh, uh, at that time, our, our youngest daughter at that time, uh, I think she was six or seven. I don't remember exactly. But we, we, I had went to the Philippines, and, and one of the uh, 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 leaders at, the, at our church, Tony Mendez, uh, had went with me. And we were there, and, and uh, you know, uh, obviously it's a whole other world. I mean, uh, you see things and, and experience things that you, you know, you, you don't ever see here. And, uh, uh, but in any event, uh, we were going to this uh, store one day, and, 
there was a little boy outside of the store. He's probably, I don't know, uh, I would say, I would think 10, 11 maybe. And uh, it was obvious that he had some neurological difficulty. And when I mean, what I mean by that is MS or, or, or muscular dystrophy or something uh, because of the way his movements were. And uh, he was begging, of course. And uh, his parents would come and bring him there every day and he would beg. And uh, I, I, I reached in my pocket and was getting out some money to give him. And I, and I reached down to put the money in his cup and he thought that someone was trying to take money from him. And, and he tried desperately to, to stop it. Well, then he recognized that I was putting money. But when I saw his attempt, my heart broke. And I put that, matter of fact, I reached in my pocket and got all my money and just put it in, in the cup. And I got back to that missionary's house. My, my friend Doylehead is his name. And I got back to his house and I just broke. I just started weeping uncontrollably. And his wife, Merlin, she was talking to me and, and, and she didn't know why I was weeping and and. and and I'm just, I'm just broken before the Lord. And, and here's the thing. I thought to myself, you know, the mercy of God. My heart just went out to Him, you know, because I wanted there to be so much more that we could do. Amen. And there was no reason to not show that child mercy. There are people that didn't. But there was no reason. When Jesus said, go and do likewise, he wasn't speaking to that lawyer alone. He was speaking to us as well. Go and do likewise. Amen. Why? Because if the harvest is truly on the way, if the babies are going to line up outside the door and show up, and I believe it is because the Lord said, then they got to find mercy. They got to find mercy. Hallelujah. And, and the thing is, if they, if when God brings them, if they'll just stay with it three months, everything will change. Everything will change. And so that means everyone under the sound of my voice is called to minister to them and called to help them whether you've been to Bible school, whether you have a degree, whether you, whether you have an ordination, that's not the point. Can you show mercy? Well, yeah, I think so, Pastor. You can. If you've been shown mercy, you can show mercy. Amen? God doesn't change. And the answer to the world's issues is the same. I preached a series some years ago called uh, Everything's Different But Nothing's Changed. Sin is still the problem and Jesus is still the answer. That's still, that's still the issue. The problems that people are facing are the same problems they faced 100 years ago, 200 years ago. They're just more pronounced. There are things that are just more available. But folks, I'm telling you something. When we make the decision that we're going to show God steadfast love, unconditional love and mercy, amen, hallelujah, one of, one of the greatest things, every year, generally around Faith Explosion time, our, our student groups will sell T-shirts to raise money. And uh, one year, 
the one that got the most attention from people was simply this. And I borrowed it from Andrew Womack. And we, we had a shirt made up, and it simply said on the front, Tell the kids I love them, God. And man, those, those teenagers would wear those out. I'd wear mine out. And people would go, hmm, tell the kids I love them. Well, who's the kids? Well, you. And he loves you. Amen. That, that, that's our job. That's what we're saddled with. Tell people God loves them. Amen. Hallelujah. Does that make sense? Because perfect love casts out fear. I, I believe that with all of my heart. And uh, I, just, I just want to say something to you, and, and I'm, I'm closing. You didn't get a short sermon like this morning. James, we was out of church at 11.15 this morning. Everybody had to wait to go to the restaurant. But anyway... <laughs> I, I, I'll share this with you in, in closing. You know, I am, I'm not a person of extremes. I'm just not. My wife says I'm the same every day. And I, I, I hope that's the truth. I hope she's not just being nice to me. But I've made this decision that I'm just going after all of it. And I'm just going to see how far we can go. And I've committed to the Lord that, okay, if you want it done, we're going to get it done. And I will do all you've asked me to do. Because there's a reason that God took my wife and I after 25 years in one location and transplanted us here. I wasn't praying about it. I mean, please don't misunderstand me. Little Rock is home. I love Little Rock. I, I, honestly, God has put love for this city in my heart. But my point is this. I wasn't asking God for it. I wasn't. Amen. I had worked. I would shed blood, sweat, and tears. I would fought devils, racist devils in that church where we raised up that, that church. And, and God was doing a great thing and is doing a great thing. But he did it. He asked us to come. I'm not going to waste that request. And so I'm, I'm going to ask you something tonight. If you're all in, if you'll say, Pastor, I'm all in. I want to see how far we can go. I want to see how many lives we can touch. I want to see how many hearts we can change. I want to see, if, if, you're, if you're willing to say, Pastor, I'm all in, just stand up tonight. If you're willing to say, I'm all in, I, I want to see how far, how much we can get done. It's, it's not challenging you personally as it is to say as a body. We want to see this done in the name of Jesus. Come here with me, honey, please. Hallelujah. Amen. So, Father, as a body... As your body called to this location. Father, we stand tonight and we say we're all in. We are absolutely committed to what you're asking us to do in this season. Father, this season of coming out of a great trial, a great season of difficulty for the world, we as your body in this location, 
we see the harvest that's ripe. And we ask you in the name of Jesus to empower us to reach them. Father, I ask you to give the people in this congregation outreach ideas. Father, ideas to reach this city with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I ask you to send us workers in abundance for every good work. Father, I ask you to send us those that need to know Jesus, those that need His change in their life. Father, I ask you to send us those that are spiritually secure and spiritually stable so that they can help us take care of the babies that are on the way. And so, Father, we thank you for this group of wonderful people. We thank you for this group of loving individuals that are standing tonight saying, we want to see how far we can go. And, Father, we thank you that, oh, God. Father, thank you that you said to us that when we fill this building, we'll know where to go. And so we take the responsibility upon ourselves now to say, we're going to fill this building. We're going to fill this building, and we will know where to go. And, Father, we thank you for it, and we praise you for it. I speak blessings on your people, blessings going in and blessings coming out. Father, may they experience on an even greater, deeper level the love of God and the mercy of God. May we see it in ways we've never seen it, deeper than we've ever seen it. Father, we thank you for it. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe God.